Elder Scrolls Podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 77 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, your host, Bob Chichinsky. Here with my good, good friend, Dog Bark 24 How are you doing this week, my dude? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Thanks for being here. And this week, we also have a special surprise guest for you as well. The one and only, Grammaton Dryad. Welcome, my man. Thanks for coming back and being here with us this week. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy now, to be here. we brought Graham on for a very special occasion. This week, we're going to be covering the one and only Dragon Bones DLC that encompasses the Fanglair and Scalecaller dungeons. It came out. Um, gosh, oh, come on. I know this. I know this. Well, it came out the same year as Somerset, so and there you go. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Thank you, dog. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but way twenty seventeen. Nah, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Anyways, they are the uh, most amazing dungeons. My two favorite dungeons in the game for sure. I have been long awaiting this episode pretty much since we started the podcast. And not only just because they're awesome, we get to talk about them, but because when we started as a group doing hard mode content and going for uh, the, you know, no death speed run and then the hard mode all separately, but to get that trifecta and unlock the, um, you know, special thing sometimes it's the skin sometimes it's a personality that's how it used to be unlocked in the older dungeons so the uh for the fangler it's a really cool personality with the worm wizard personality for scale cards the black mirror necromancer skin and we went after those not back to back but they were two of our you know probably first two out of the first five that we went for fangler was first because that was like the one that I was just like, I had to have this personality. So, yes. Am I getting carried away already? You could tell, yes, that I'm excited because we have just so much to talk about. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll, I'll save it for the rest of the episode. So, dog, let's talk some news, man, because we got plenty of news. Actually, actually, okay, wait, wait, wait. I have one more thing to ramble on. Uh, our last episode, yeah, I just, I want to apologize for that. I thought I uploaded it and, uh, I don't know. I'm still like, it's been almost half a year that we've been using this newer, um, like publisher and I still, if I mess it up sometimes. So I am sorry that that was a week late to all of our fans, but I just got to say, like we put out an episode and just the amount of plays we get in 24 hours it constantly blows me away for like just an audio medium straight up over the airwaves podcast uh about elder scrolls and it's just like we feel the love man it's really awesome so 
uh, we see you guys and uh, we appreciate you and we've got we've got plenty of content coming for you so stick around and dogged let's talk about some news what's going on in Elder Scrolls alright well first off you're in the middle of the new life festival it started on December 16th and it ends until January 14th you can get a double experience January from 4th, January 4th yeah what did I say the 14th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can only wish it would last that long. But yeah, ends on January 4th. That would be pretty <laughs> awesome. But uh, you can get double experience from Bradus Bottomless Need under the tool tabs, given the double. Get, and that gives you the double experience boost. Uh, you can do the intro quest in the crown store, and then you have 10 dailies. Nine of them are from Breda, and the last one is the Imperial quest that came out last year. Which is your favorite? I don't mind the Imperial Quest. It's just the Imperial Wrist that I don't like. Oh, really? I I don't know. What about you, Graham? What's your favorite New Life Quest? I'm going through all eight in my head right now. I'm trying to think about it. Because there's definitely some that I don't like. So I'm trying to think I'm about I'm going to go Snow Bear Plunge. Even though it does encompass a little bit of running. But, you know, it's it's fun. There was there, That was one that I thought of. Um, I don't like the mud ball one as much anymore, but I used mm-hmm. to like that one a lot. Um, I really like the um one in Rockwalla where you have to pick oh, the okay. three chests because you can level up your ledger main yeah, that way. That's a good one. Um, and it's everything is right next to that way shrine, okay. so probably that that's a good one, one. But mud ball, mud ball one is also one a pretty good one. I forget that that one's part of the new life. Yeah, it's because the uh pie one's close to it too. Yeah, it's yeah, it seems like a a jester kind of thing, but yeah, it's new life. Yeah, my favorite one is definitely uh, the uh, Alicure one, where you have to go over, like all the braziers. That's because I have the wild hunt ring, and I can run really fast. You so. know, I did think about you the other day <laughs> when I put my wild hunt ring on to do that quest. It's like, oh man, I bet Dog is just flying through this quest for sure, dude. The fastest person to ever light these torches is probably Dog. Yeah. Um, one thing that I definitely noticed this quest is that like all the way shines for most of the towns are outside of the town. That's and, true. Yeah. I still stick to my Alaker one. That's actually like the farthest one away. <laughs> that one and Stormhaven's one. Oh, okay. Alcare Castle. Alcare, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still uh, think about my idea from last year. We take all the camels and guars and we just move the way shrine back into the middle of the town. <laughs> I think it's a good plan. Sounds like a good plan to me, man. I'll, I'll put, I will. Put forward the gold for it. Yeah. For the construction. So we've got um, plenty of rewards, of course, coming from the New Life Festival boxes. We've got skin changer motif chapters. Um, Those are returning. They're part of, uh, you know, they've been around for a while. We've got New Life Recipes, New Life Collectibles, packaged in rune boxes and tradables. And uh, they those are things like the Snowball Buddy Pet, the new, this one's new, so that's kind of cool, the Powder White Coney Pet, 
and it's a little bunny. When I first heard it, I was like, what the heck is a Coney? And all I could think of is Coney Island, and I'm pretty sure that's where they eat the hot dogs. And I was like, is it a hot dog? Because they already gave out a rock, so I don't know. Like, I just I wouldn't be surprised by some things. So, okay, so you also, like, a new thing is that you could get random pages for the Nord carved armor style. So it's a new armor style. Uh, it's nice that they you know, brought out a new one, not just all repetitive this year. And of course you could get the deep winter and Imperial charity Ritz. So the deep winter ones completing 12 of these will give you the crystal frost skin. Now are you, does the Imperial Ritz count towards that as well, dog? Yeah, you can do either or. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Deep winter will give you the scout explorer motif style pages and the imperial charity ones will give you rekindle left style pages oh wow so there's like a ton of uh style pages to be gotten during this event and a lot of motif chapters still from skin changer too there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to get yeah and you could also, of course, each first quest you do is going to give you three event tickets a day for a total of 60 tickets from the event, which means if I get off my lazy bum and actually start getting some tickets, I might actually get enough to finish this uh, this house somehow before the end of the event. We'll see. That will be a, that will be a mad dash. Uh, I'll keep you guys updated on it. Are you? Do you have the house, dog? No, I just need one more piece for the house. One more piece. All right. Cool. 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 So, uh, what can we get from the impresario this time, dog? You can get all the deadline themes items. You can get bounce styles for the Nord card armor, and you can get the powder white coney pet, and then you can also get group repair kits. I like that they have the. Uh, the new pet in there, even though it's new and it's just like, but sometimes it's hard to get it from the box. So, like, for players that have been here for a while, it's nice to just be like, I already have everything, I want to go farm a billion boxes to get the bunny. Like, I just want to buy it. So, yeah, I think I've gotten two so far. Well, there you go. You'll have to give me one because I have I will. Yay. All right. So, uh, that is going to wrap it up for our new life talk. Uh, and it doesn't look like we have too much else in the news thus far. We do have, uh, we've we got some other stuff going on later. Don't worry. But we're going to hop right into the current state of Cyrodiil. Now, Cyrodiil. It's, uh... It's been a heck of a time there for dogs, so I'm, I'm going to let him take it away. And just keep in mind, Cyrodiil and Dog, they're, they're in a dark place right now. Yeah, so uh, the current state of Cyrodiil, it's uh, really bad. Like, really bad. <laughs> so, you know, to start off, I was there in there on the 10th, right? And here's what I noticed. So, apparently, the elemental ring ability can go through walls which can proc Dark Conversions. And that can also proc Vicious Death. So, 
That's not that's not for a fun time. And if that combination happens to kill you in a load screen because you're respawning at a keep or trying to go defend somewhere, well, it'll desync you, which means that you can't. So if you do get to get through that load screen, you can't actually get up and help fight because you're desynced. So you're just stuck in that spot. You can't really do anything. So you can move around like I can move outside of the keep. But I'll, like, use my Purify, and it works. I'm like, where's my Purify at? I can't actually hit anybody. But it's apparently because I was still at the uh, Transit Shrine. Because I died there. Wasn't fun. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound fun. Which is the Elemental Ring ability? Like, the the Pulse? The Spam one? I don't know. It's one of the Destro Staff abilities. I think it's... Uh, yeah, Impulse, I think. Yeah. Sure. Sounds like I'm impulse, at least. <laughs> so, uh, I also noticed that being stuck in combat, you know, that still exists. And I was in combat for two minutes after I moved away from a streaking sword because I didn't want to streak after. I can't uh, streak after him. And he was streaking over hills and I couldn't keep up with that. So, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go away, right? No, I can't go away because I'm stuck in combat with him forever. Yeah, stuck in combat. That's just like, um, like kicking you when you're down, <laughs> salt on the wound, you know? Yeah, it's not fun, to say the least. Then, on the 18th, you know, I kind of got bored of doing the same New Life dailies that are, you know, the same pretty much every year. I was like, hey, I'm going to go try to play in Cyrdo. I haven't been in there since, you know, eight days ago when I tried that first time and I got mad with Dark Conversions hitting me through walls and stuff. And... I played for like a little bit over an hour until after the eight cat uh, eighth crash, I was like, I'm just done. And that's especially considering like it takes five minutes to load into Serial on last gen consoles. Yeah, but I, I yeah, and you're very old. I, I like my Xbox old too. I mean, do you think it's better on the new Xboxes at least? Maybe I would assume so. I, at least I hope so. I hope so. I don't know know how to get one, but I hope the people that do have one are enjoying them. Yeah. But uh, pretty much I played those trains similar and then occasionally got to kill uh, players and NPCs. But uh, apparently the patch on the 14th seemed to give a major bug for Xbox and PlayStation, where if you are in Serial and near Siege and near enemy players, there's a high chance that everyone in the area will crash. All friendly players and all enemy players. So if uh, any extra defenders run up after you crash, and the other enemy players crash, it's really easy to destroy siege and repair the door, and then pick people off as they load in. So, Seardon isn't exactly, you know, really fun right now. There is a workaround, and... That is that you use only a ram while sieging. And you hope that no one uses counter siege. So, yeah, that's not really a fair, uh, safe, you know, workaround because someone can just drop a flaming oil down at your feet. It's just completely useless, but it can crash everybody. I've seen it happen on my own, like, DC teammates. It was annoying. Yeah, that's, that sounds tough, man. 
you're it's i'm telling you though dude it's just like it's the console life i don't know they just can't fix it like but i hope they're i th like i think they're trying but i don't i don't know sounds like it just gets worse <laughs> like but okay okay so they did all these tests and everything like well, okay, when you were talking about the Dark Convergence thing, like, was that before they fixed Dark Convergence? No, that was after they fixed it. But oh, it's, not, it's not Dark Convergence that's broken. It's the uh, Dexterous Affability that's broken. This Dark Convergence goes in the center, and the uh, ring ability is going through the, through the wall. So it's not exactly Dark Convergence. It's just the player using the skill. To hit people through walls. But other than yeah. that, Dark Convergence is a lot better than what it used to be. Just as long as you're not, you know, getting pulled in through walls or pulled in through that ability. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if uh, PlayStation is having the same problems. If it's just like an all-around console just falling apart. I would assume so. Tough to hear, man. It's just like, but then, then again, it's definitely why I don't go back to Xbox for sure. Yeah, but I feel for that console fam, you know. Like, <laughs> I know how bad they love the game. They just want to be able to play. Like, I have met, I made so many friends. Like, the majority of friends I made in Elder Scrolls Online have been through PvP. So, and a lot of them were on Xbox. So I know that uh, I feel I feel for them all, and I uh, I don't know I really don't know. It's been so many years. It's like how do they how do they fix it? Like, I mean, the good news is that there's a fix for like the bug the uh, crashing bug right now, and that they're working yeah. on it. I mean, that's yeah. good. Yeah. The bad news is that it's not going to get like an emergency fix. So it'll take like the usual 10 day wait time. So maybe it'll get fixed by Christmas. But, you know, that's the means that they also have to work on Christmas. No one really wants it, wants to work on Christmas. So, yeah. But are they going to fix like impulse going through walls? Probably not. I, I don't oh, think that's going to get fixed. I think that's going to be something that, uh, is that oh, a new thing? I don't know if it's a new thing. Because I, didn't, I wasn't inside a serial uh, last quarter because I, I, Dark Overage was just doing way too much damage. So. Yes, yes, very true. But, All right, uh, well. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, this year has been, you know, really rough for PvP, and I just want it to work, you know, semi-badly, not horrifically badly. I think we get to a nice semi-badly thing, I might be able to play, uh, you know, PvP again. That'd be nice. You know, low expectations that way you can actually be surprised when you know they're good. <laughs> Anyways, dogged. What? Let's start with some scores, man. Because I uh, I will let you save some of your uh, serial criticisms for for our next uh, episode's discussion, but. Of course, we have Greyhost scores for you guys. In PCNA, we just started a new campaign. 
28 days left in it. On DC, we've got 7.1K, and DC's in the lead. That's what we do. I feel like it's been a while since I got to sing my little DC in the lead song, so there you go. We're in the lead. AD is behind us, 6.7K, and EP is in last at 4.7K. So it's a fresh campaign. Who knows how long we'll hold in the lead. Hopefully, we can dominate this, uh, you know month going into the new year win the first campaign of the new year you know what i'm i'm rejuvenated i was actually in cyrodiil you know i spent some time in cyrodiil the last couple days i was going to talk about that and my experiences were not like dogs at all (laughs) but i also uh you know only went in there for like five to ten minutes maybe like 10 to 15 minutes at a time i went and took like a keep and ran around and i killed some people and i died and i called that <laughs> but, um, anyways pcu ad is in the lead over there 6.7k dc is in second so it's swapped we're at 5k and ep is still in last with the same exact score 4.7k the hell is going on ep this is weird you can't be in last on both at the same exact score it's just weird so you guys gotta go score but don't pass us you know calm down don't get crazy just go you know uh what what color is that because just go team purple it up just for a bit calm down not too much just gate them and then you know there you go now dog how about those xbox scores all right, well, for Xbox NA, there's 15 days left on the campaign. Then we have AD with 44.5K in first, DC in second with 41K, and EP in last with 37.4K. And then for Xbox EU, EP's in first with 55K, uh, DC is in second with 33.6K, and AD is in last with 30K. So DC is not winning any of those campaigns right now. Yeah. No, they are not. You're right. But they aren't losing any. That is true. They're not losing any. Well, it depends, you know, because second place is the first loser. Yeah. But they're not in last place right now. So that's not last. And much unlike Xbox on PS4 and 5 in NA, EP is leading with 52K. AD is in second with 44k, and DC is in last with 43k. Come on, guys. Last. <sighs> and But I won't get too upset, because they're slightly closer than the DC of EU. We're also in last, spoiler alert. EP is in first at 49k. AD, once again, in second at 44k. Look, you know... EP on PC, both in last same score. AD on PS5 or PlayStation, both in second same score. It's weird. I don't like it. And DC, look at you guys. 42.7K. Could you be closer? This is just getting weird, man. Cyrodiil's stag. I don't know if it's stagnant because it can't be stagnant. It's like not even, and it's totally different servers so it's just like how is it possibly the same exact score and the same exact factions in the same place this is insane this is just insanity dog explain it to me 
I don't know. You don't know. Don't, don't be asking me these questions. <laughs> I want answers. Is it the same people? How can the same people be playing at the same time? Okay, I'm done. I'm going crazy. So, Grey House is popping. You got half of a campaign left on Xbox and PlayStation. Go in there. Get your characters in there. Get up to 25k scored. Make sure it's your home campaign. Get all set up to get your transmutes. You know, go have some fun. Go PvP. People need to freaking PvP more. We need more PvP players. They need to understand that people want to PvP in this game. Like, we need to just show them that we love PvP. We want it so bad. But we're not here to talk about PvP today, are we, dog? No, we're here to talk about dungeons. We are here to talk about the best freaking dungeons in Elder Scrolls Online. In my very personal opinion, you can take your own, but that is mine. So, first, we're going to talk about Fanglair. Fanglair is absolutely beautiful. It is a cavernous area that is just a huge, wide expanse for you to explore. And if you're a necromancer like me, it's just got all these awesome, you know, bones and like other necromancer homies. You're like, yo, man, I remember you at the meeting. And, uh, you know, you got to kill them, unfortunately, but it is what it is. So this dungeon if you want to go explore it, it unlocks a level 45. And that's, you know, clearly going to be on normal because you're not going to be doing veteran fangler until you're, uh, you know, vet ranks. But if you are in between 45 and max, you know, vet ranks, and you want to go do fangler, you're certainly welcome to do it. Now, it is located, if you want to walk into it, at the northeast of Bankrai. And uh, it's got a gorgeous entrance over there. You should just really go check it out. Now, Dog, why don't you tell us about some of the enemies you'll be encountering in this uh, wondrous, cavernous dungeon. Alright, well first we have the Black Mara Revivifier. Uh, this is the enemy that you want to focus down first, because it will empower every enemy... And give you problematic in the larger adipoles. And yeah, pretty much it enrages everything, which is bad, especially on veteran. Yeah, once those things are enraged, it's like you need to just get the heck out of there. Yeah. And then next up, we have the Bone Colossus. And you want to focus down this enemy after the Reviver of Fires. Because when the Bone Colossus gets enraged, it can be problematic for the tank. Yeah, even. Uh, good old Graham here is like getting smacked down by enraged Colossus. Yeah, they'll hit you pretty hard <laughs> and send you flying. It's not fun. Next, you have the uh, Black Morrow Re Re Reanimator. This enemy can resurrect other enemies. Uh, this is something that you kind of kill like tertiary, kind of after the, the main two are gone. At least, like it kind of like respawns like the stuff that dies quickly, not like. Revivifiers or Bone Colossuses. So, that's nice. And then, you also have the Animus Crystal. 
And then you'll come across a couple of crystals. If you don't destroy them fast enough, they'll summon a Bone Colossus too. So. And that's yeah. pretty much everything as far as like, the dangerous enemies. Yeah, and those Animus crystals, they're like the the end things that you go to pass through the doors. Got to take those out. But it also sets you up for the, you know, the mechanic for the boss. So. Speaking of bosses, we have uh, quite a few in this dungeon. Uh, first off, Elizabeth Charnis. Now, this is not even really a boss, really just waves of enemies. Um, good old Graham here is just going to grab the aggro of the Colossuses and hold them as the tank. And the rest of the adds are pretty... Pretty weak. You just kill them down, burn them pretty easy. It's gonna be four waves, and you're gonna move on through. You want to talk about the bear dogs? If not, I'm gonna talk about the bear. You can talk about the bear. That's all. All right. Well, the bear is the coolest. Uh, you know, bear. He's really chill, but unfortunately, you have to kill him. And he's got some homies. He's got um a guar homie who's just like. He's kind of the bummer of the party because he's just throwing up everywhere and that kind of sucks. Um, then you have the panther homie and he's he's kind of chill, but you can't trust him because he's just going to pounce on someone every now and again. Whoever is farthest away, he's just going to pounce on them. Like, how can you trust that person? And then... Uh, he's got wolf homies too, and uh, they're pretty chill, but they just want to come, like, you know, snuggle with someone and explode. So, there you go. The bear is he's really cool and he throws a great party, but you know, he invites some crazy other animals. So, there you go. Dog, is that not the best explanation of that boss ever? Yeah, it's yeah, I agree. That's Definitely the best way to explain it. I loved it. <laughs> but yeah, this, uh, you have the cadaverous bear. Basically, you're going to have the tank hold him down, and um, you got to watch out for all his animal friends. Graham, what would you say is the hardest part of this boss? The, the hardest part is probably trying to get everything stacked, but then also that, um, the cougar or whatever, the thing that leaps and pounces people, that's what can really cause like a domino effect of chaos within the right. group. Um, that one doesn't so, taunt too, right? Um, no, everything does taunt except... The, oh, okay. No, just the main boss taunts. Nothing else taunts. Oh, So, okay. yeah, so you have to get everything like piled on together. So you pretty much have to pull everything to the guar, I believe. Right, pile them all, all on top of each other. So as you burn down the Gwar and the Panther, then they take a rest for a bit, and you're just, you've already burned down the bear some, and you can just pile DPS on the bear until the other two come back up. Yeah. And then, and the, then go ahead. The, uh, the, one of the trickier parts, which I've come, as I've we've done it a million times, I've come to realize that as the tank, when you pull them towards the guar if you face where the wolves spawn if you're confident enough in your group you can just go up and like bash each of the wolves as they approach 
or um, slow them or something like a snare, and then you can force them the trigger to blow up behind the bear boss, and you just dodge roll back into position, and then they then the rest of your DPS don't even have to worry about them, um, which is a more advanced tactic, but not really necessary. Yeah, no, it's a solid tactic, and those wolves can be frustrating if you're trying to sneak in a no death run. Or like a no death speed run, you know, hard mode all at the same time, like you're trying to go really fast. The wolves can catch you. And the panther, like right when he comes back up out of his rest, he like pounces right away every time. So that you can watch out for too. And I think that's that's really it for that boss. Dogged anything? No, I think you got it pretty good. Alright, man. What about Kalurian? Alright, well, uh, this boss has uh, relics that will occasionally spawn in the outer ring of the area. Uh, the quickest way to destroy them is to lure the bone fiends to the re- relic and let them explode on it. Just be sure to avoid the explosion of the bone fiend. Uh, there are six types of relics. The, wall- uh, the Wamasu relic is the worst one because it does a lot of lightning AoE on top of all the other stuff that's going on. And the lightning eight we stack on like the damage stacks on top of each other so you can't like stick together. And then if the relic doesn't get destroyed, the boss will gold bar to stop you uh progressing on the boss. So Yeah. That the when the Wamasu relic freaking drops, that is the moment when Dog goes from having too many heals to not enough. <laughs> and it is yeah. scary times. Calorian will also do lots of uh, other AoE damage, which is why that one's so bad. Mainly it's his Lich Crystals. That's like the big like one-shotters for DPS healer. Uh, so don't stack on them and don't uh, stand in them. So, And then at 20%, all the relics will go active, so be sure to nuke the boss once it gets below 20%. Which I don't know that all the relics went off went after, so... Yeah, I think yeah, I think I remember that they just start going off. Yeah, I've always noticed them all activating, but usually we've always burnt him so hard. Yeah, you yeah, it's never we never really felt the full brunt of that, even on our less successful runs. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) this one, Graham, why don't you take this boss, man? Because this boss just loves to smack you around. Ulfnor, the Dragon Slayer. He and I have many good times. Um, so he uh, he's this big giant skeleton dude with a big old sword, and uh, he does a lot of like AOE fire that flies out of him and stuff like that. Um, and he has this little floating ghost above him that he'll send off to uh, basically crowd control and drag another player across the map. Um, but one of the big things that has happened to me a few times is uh, Ulfnor would do this uh, like um, dizzying swing hit, and uh, sometimes the uh, the ghost grab will time right after that. And so sometimes I will get knocked back uh, through a block, I think even, and mid-air get dragged by the ghost, which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, usually um, it's like a 50-50, my track record with him, where it's like the easiest boss in the world, 
or just a bunch of weird things happen and I get like super glitched and fly around the map and stuff. It's pretty ridiculous. I feel like I remember uh, Ulfmar uh, smacking you off the edge of the map one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he and I have a really weird relationship <laughs> out of probably more than any boss of any dungeon, and I don't know why. But yeah, if there's anything else mechanically there, dog, that you would like to go into, feel free. Um, I think you got like pretty much everything. Uh, pretty much at like uh, execution range, Sabina just uh, like he she'll lock down somebody, and then if you don't kill the boss fast enough, uh, Ulfnor will kill whoever's locked down. So. That could be tricky on, you know, no death runs, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, When when do you start getting dragged? You have to go DPS the ghosts so they can be free before Ulfnar walks over and impales them. Yeah. Yeah. And there are definitely some times where I've played with uh, probably more more so pugs, but it's like no one's paying attention to the person being dragged. And it's like, okay, well, that person's going to be dead. And so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Their sacrifice is worth it in the end, right? Maybe. We hope so. Yeah. I've watched that ghost just like, we're on a no-death run. Everything's going great. We run into that room, and he just death smacks Graham just like immediately. Like, one hit. What the heck? Yeah, I never, I never expect it, ever. And it happens, like I said, like 50% of the time. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, being the biggest thing that I recall ever being pretty bad is his like AOE fire, like his little like shoots out in four directions that I definitely uh, have recalled seeing dog's health go like whoop, 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 when he gets hit by yeah. So good time. Yeah, if that thing catches you, that could definitely do some serious damage. Especially if you like to walk backwards. I like to walk backwards a lot, and I walk, like, with the fire AoE. Oh, which, yeah. Which, like, triple stacks the damage, and it's not right. recommended. Not recommended. Yeah, walking with fire is hot. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, so... You finally beat Ulfnor. Your group goes through a couple more little ad pulls. And you are finally there to the one and only Thervokin. Now, yes, it's a huge dragon. It may seem intimidating. It's probably because it is. Now, it's not the, uh, you know, most wild fight when you're not on hard mode. Um, You could really, like, go... If you got the DPS for it, you could go pretty wild on him. You don't even have to really care about the crystals. But the difference between the veteran and the actual hard mode of this fight is so tremendous. It's literally insane. So we're going to focus on most of the hard mode stuff. Because like I said earlier, it was our first one we ever did together. So we're very excited to discuss it. Um, because it took a lot of effort, especially because like we were all just like learning how hard these things really were at that time. So, um, let's see what we got. Just first off, when you're gonna try even the hard mode, it's 
the slowest burn. Like, you just got to take your time, hit your marks, just do everything one at a time, and uh, soon enough you'll be at the end phase because there's, like, there's multiple phases. You got to get him down to, you know, whatever percent, and then he starts doing his freak-out phase. And then once you kill him, he comes back and does another freak-out phase. So, on the hard mode, Orin will teleport and shoot skulls at all the players, like, the whole time, during the first time, like, with the crystals and stuff. Right, dog? Yeah, so, like, he will, uh, like, kind of just teleport somewhere, and it'll be, like, the, uh, I don't know, he just, like, shoots, like, a lot of skulls, and then you need to go bash it or use Crushing Shock to interrupt it. Otherwise, it pretty much kills everybody. Yeah, it will literally wipe the group. It just is so powerful. There's so many skulls. Yeah, uh, that being said, Thur- uh, you know, Thurvikin is a dragon with a huge hitbox, so that uh, you might be looking at Orin using Crushing Shock on him, but in fact, you might be hitting Thurvikin because his hitbox is huge, and it's very hard to actually hit uh, Orin, especially at a range, so it might be better to kind of have someone stand in like, the different corners so that you can actually get him and make sure you get him. And Dog makes that sound tactical at the end, but yeah, he's just salty because that's what was happening to him <laughs> so many times. I mean, it's like, I'll be on one side, and the like, he's on the other side, I'm like, oh, great, I have to go run around because I can't run through the middle because there's poison in the middle. Yep, and Dog would be like, I couldn't get him, I swear I got him, stupid dragon. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Good times, good times. So, um, Graham, why don't you tell them about the shocks that he spawns? Yeah, so um, they're awful. Um, I think in all other contexts, you only deal with one of them, which is not great, but they do a debuff on you just by being next to you. Like every second that they're next to you is like another stack, and it essentially reduces your armor. So you just take more damage. So if you're a tank and you're tanky, them existing near you makes you very squishy, um, which is a terrible thing to be as a tank. Um, the The tricky part about there being two is that that then anytime they do get close to you, it happens twice as much. So any mistake makes it really difficult. Um, one of the things that I found, like a lot of guides and stuff, um, as like a dragon knight, talked about using claws, and I found claws to be awful, just because that happens like around you, and so sometimes I would still take the debuff, and even though they'd be held in place and allow me to move, um, it was it was still pretty difficult. So I ended up using um, like the last skill in the um, earthen tree. Uh, the one that can be morphed into a heal or like an AOE damage dealer, but like scorching it, earth or something. I forget what it's called off the top of my head, but um, it it does a AOE, um, and then enemies that are within it are snared like sixty something percent movement speed. It's a very strong snare, and I found that putting because you can see the AOE where they're going to spawn, so I would um, 
drop the AoE at my feet and then dodge roll early. And then when they would spawn, they would be snared. And then if I needed more speed to get away from them, I'd use chains on the boss and it increased my speed. Um, but those things were really annoying because if you didn't move away from their spawn point and they popped them beneath you, it'll also insta-kill you. So you have those, but then you're also managing the main boss who spits out poison, which grows and fills the room. And so you had the time throughout the fight once that like poison got mostly fill, he would do a new one. So you'd have to reposition where you wanted to when that happens, but then you're also trying to position yourself away from these things that literally chase you. Um, and if you and the scarabs um, exist, the shocks on whoever is taunt. So if you lose aggro, that can pop up under somebody who's not expecting it, and they instantly die as well. Um, so it was very difficult. And like the earlier part when you guys are destroying the crystals. Once a crystal would be destroyed, I would try to position the boss into those corners so that you guys had the most room to maneuver. Um, but the bulk of the fight, I usually try to keep him in the middle. But it's just, it was a cra- it's a crazy fight. Regardless of all the other 10,000 mechanics happening, um, just avoiding those shocks and keeping the boss where you needed to be and surviving those stupid skulls that you guys mentioned everything. It's just a lot yeah. going on. It's a lot going on. But uh, uh, it was a really, really um, rewarding challenge that I almost never want to do again. But uh, <laughs> it's it was ju- it taught me a lot about tanking and like order of operations and maintenance of different things and everything. It was, it was really cool. Right. Yeah. And I remember how much like... Because there's, like, you were nailing it for so much of the time, but the one problem you would have is, like, the shocks. They were the fucking, or they were constantly just Yeah, yeah I, I that was the one thing that was, like, the worst thing that t- I had to finally figure out what skill skill or skills I needed. Like, I tried Wall of Elements, I tried Claws, like, I kept flexing out my flex spot to figure out what would work, and ultimately that AOE snare is what saved the day. Saved the day. Yeah, and, like, speaking of the crystals parts, too, it's, like, every time a new crystal comes up, which is every 10% when you're starting the dragon, like, 80, 70, 60, 50, a Colossus comes up. If the crystal is, like, you could burn down the crystal before it comes up, but, man, you have to burn down that crystal fast. And, uh, so like if there's a Colossus up and now you got to burn that down, well, it's coming out of the hole, like crawling out of the portal. And, uh, if he goes and chases the tank immediately and he doesn't get killed and then there's the shocks at the same time, it's like, man, things get hairy really, really quick in this hard mode. That's why it could get so tough. So, dog, what about this tail whip mechanic? All right. Well, uh, Thurbican will do a tail whip mechanic where, where he'll launch conal AOE, uh, conal AOEs at people. Like there'll be a bad AOE, then a safe AOE, a bad AOE, a safe AOE, bad AOE, a safe AOE, and so on. Um, this will stun you if you don't block it or avoid it. Um, I recommend 
blocking this because I've been hit by it countless times, even though I was not standing in the AoE. I've tried roll dodging it, and I still got hit by it, so... I think when we completed our hard mode, that was when, like, the tailway mechanic was super broke. So it wasn't even in line with its AoE. Its AoE would might be pointing, like, at one wall, and then its other, its real AoE, which didn't show up, pointed at a completely other wall. And that was problematic, because if you're trying to kite around the uh, Colossus, and you just get randomly smacked by that AoE as he does a heavy attack, Perfectly timed, you know, it's an easy one shot because you weren't expecting this hail whip out of nowhere. Yeah, the stun is just like such a kick in the face, too. You're just like, uh, why? I didn't see it. There is nothing to see. And as we mentioned earlier, Thuvokan also drops a poison AoE that starts small, but it grows over time and it is. Like just encompasses so much of the floor and it could be hard to see sometimes. So you really gotta look out for it. Like it it could be hard to see where it starts and if it's like behind you and it's growing and all of a sudden you get caught in it, it's just like, oh man. Could kill people before you know it for sure. And then the crystals, uh crystals happen at eighty five percent, seventy five, sixty five, fifty five. So you definitely have to be careful when, you know, burning it down because like it might have like what four mil health, but the damage goes down fast, especially at uh, those incrementals. So if you have two crystals go up, that means it's two Colossuses. Plus you have to try to burn the other two crystals and it's a huge mess. So. Yeah, do not let those crystals stack. Just take your time. Wipe them all out. It'll be much, much easier. And uh, the way how we did like the crystals is that uh, we had whoever the Colossus was, uh, whoever the Colossus was aggroed, whether it's a DPS or healer, uh, like they just like kind of deal with it, do damage or whatever. And whenever they see the heavy attack, they roll dodge backwards, and hopefully they got the roll dodge or they died. And hopefully by that time, either the crystal's dead or it's a wipe because there's like two Colossus up and it's bad. Yeah, it was to the point where like I was the one person who had that real edge like really down. So I would try so hard to get aggro, but without being able to flex something to just get aggro for no reason, it was just, it could be hard. So it ended up yeah, especially when he like just decides that he's gonna spawn right away up with a heavy attack, right. or he'll change his target last minute with his heavy attack. Like I'm gonna hit you, turns around, nope, not you. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that one. So pretty much, you want to make sure that you drop ultimates on the uh, crystal and colossus, and not the boss. Yeah, it's unnecessary to drop it on the boss. You burn him so fast. And if you do want to drop it on the boss, you want to save it for the later time anyways. Yeah. So might as well just burn one on the, you know, crystals while you got it. So let's talk about some ghost walls. Ghost walls freaking suck. And if you've done this hard mode, you know what I'm talking about. On the normal veteran, the ghost walls also suck. But... 
you'll get a you know person who comes and puts a barrier there that you could either hide behind or just run through the hole in the wall of ghosts that it creates. Not in hard mode. The ghosts will come from each different of the four walls randomly. We developed a system where we would shout out the number walls. We numbered each wall and would shout out which one it was coming from. And uh, that would be, you know, enough if we could go, like, hide behind something. But And it created this big gap, but that's not how it is. In the hard mode, there's just a few, like, random gaps of, you know, in between the ghosts. And it is just like, wow. This is, uh, this is tough. It could really get you. It could wipe your whole group in an instant. I think the important thing to mention with the ghost walls is that they're happening, happening simultaneously with literally everything else in the dungeon. So the like five different things that you're managing and thinking about, you know, your resources, your health, like which thing you need to kill and burst down first, or which thing you're taunting or dragging or dodging or whatever you're doing all of those and dodging the ghost walls. And sometimes the giant freaking dragon is in the way of half of the ghosts. So it's really hard to see like, is there a gap here? Is there not a gap here or whatever? I distinctly recall on our very, very first victory run, me dying when he's well within burn phase because a, I didn't see the ghost walk right through the boss and I touched it and it killed me. Yeah. It's so important to have really good communication during this part to help your team, especially the tank. You just be like, dude, just stay right there. You're good. You don't need to move. It's also good to have quick revives and be, you know, a Templar like the high. Oh yeah. I used uh what was that set? What's it called? Crags. Yeah, yeah, Crags. I was using Kagranic's uh hope. And to help get through fast revives because we needed it. <laughs> now there's a CP thing for it so that it's not really necessary. So, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Sounds like we need to get back in there. <laughs> well, it's, it'll be a lot easier. At least, you know, revi- getting revives will be a lot easier. <laughs> well, there you go. All the better reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from 55% to pretty much zero. You just go find the glowy NPC person, and then you hide behind them. And then once you get it down to zero, that's when Orin takes over, and pretty much all the mechanics that you thought were, you knew, kind of just changed. Or I guess mainly just the ghost wall. But oh, okay, so they they do have the normal ghost wall at the first part. Yeah. Yeah. But... Okay. My bad. It gets to the intense ghost wall when he comes back to life. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I forget that you have to go through the crystal and then the normal ghost wall. It almost feels like just the normal boss, but then, man, once he comes back to life, it's like a whole new ball game. Yeah, and the ghost phases is back to back to back to back, so... And the only, uh, uh, like, stopping point is when he stops and he fears everybody and you have to go cleanse yourself. Right. Yeah, I remember that 
like one of the big revelations for me that really helped me with the ghost wall in the hard mode was that I realized the next one is spawning as the other one finishes. So it spawns and sits there for a second. And once you're, if you're watching the last one go, the moment it's hitting the wall, the next one should already be up. So you should be able to identify it pretty easily because you're already looking more than likely at, you know, two other of the walls. And if it's not at those ones, then it's the one behind you because it's not the one where the ghosts were going into already. Which sounds complicated, but it's not. Definitely one of those things where it sounds or reads very complex. Once you see it, you're like, oh, okay, I see the pattern. I get it now. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, you know, just that little tiniest bit of more chaos on uh, Orin will throw four more Colossi at you throughout the fight. One at 40%, 30%, 20%, and at 10%. So. And you would be smart not to stack <laughs> those as well. <laughs> yeah. Highly recommended. Do not stack. Awful. Awful idea. All right. And I'm pretty sure that, like, all, like through that entire phase, also, like, little tiny skeletons spawn too, which is. You know, more icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. Which is everyone's favorite part of the cake. Yeah. So that is going to wrap up the bosses uh, here for Fangler for us. Uh, unless you guys have uh, any final thoughts here on them. No. Um. What, what was your favorite thing? Uh, what is your favorite thing about that dungeon? Well, my uh, favorite thing is that uh, whenever Ulfnor says, this one's mine, nothing can stop Ulfnor the Dragon Slayer. And then he runs into the barrier and he doesn't open up the door. So the only thing that can stop Ulfnor the Dragon Slayer is a door. (laughs) I love that. Okay, fair enough. I don't know what my favorite part is. Honestly, my favorite part is uh, probably just the awesome reward you get from it. But I loved uh, also just how, like, massive it is. It's, like, the right amount of length of almost feeling too long, but it's, like, pretty well balanced with stuff in between. Adpole's not too far away. And it does have that awesome bear boss, so (laughs) there you go. Yeah, I, uh, I like the like design and pacing of the dungeon you know it had a good mix of like traverse a little with a bunch of ads and then boss traverse ads traverse ads boss etc um but i felt like the bosses were very different definitely in their time and place they felt pretty unique um but also each boss was very different from the previous one and so I like the like the diversity of it. I also like the like um, necromancer color aesthetic that was very persistent throughout the entire dungeon. That like necromantic cyan colored flame. Yeah, which is pretty much you know the coolest color. So, and it's like 
every time they have you walking and stuff in that dungeon, there's never nothing to look at. Like, you always just look out to the side. It's just wide expanse of, you know, all kinds of awesome cave, you know, dwellings and just emptiness and all kinds of stuff. It's beautiful. All right, so we're through all that fun. Let's talk about some sets. Some sets. Dog, do you want to start us off? Or Well, I do love me some Clarions, but you can take it. Yeah, I'll take it. All right, so first one is the Kellyrian's Legacy, the light armor set. This will give you some crit chance, weapon and spell damage, more crit chance. And then its fifth item reads, when you deal crit damage with a lighter heavy attack, you launch a projectile at your target that deals 2k flame, frost, or shock damage. Or disease damage. So you get the, the, the different types. And it applies the respective status effect. And then this, this effect can occur once every 10 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage. Man, I love that set. Not only does it do a lot of damage, but it just looks great, honestly. Yeah, the Fang Lair um, style is a pretty good one. I definitely mm-hmm. think that the set, like all the bonuses, are all things you're going to like. And it's not a complex proc. And it's very strong, and it's something that's going to be very manageable and weavable in any build, um, which is really nice. And it's cool that it does a very random proc, like the actual element and status effect. Um, Sometimes I'll find some of those random things like not as good, but since the damage is going to scale off of your stats, it doesn't really matter. And so it adds a little bit of like elemental variance into your uh, your damage, which is cool. And it's easy to tell when it procs, so it like pops up little things on your shoulders and you see it like yeah. up. And it's easy to like the like little ball of energy kind of flies a little slower at the enemy, so it's easy to time like other stuff to go well with it. Yeah, like, visually it's very beneficial and it's cool. Yeah, like I would run on my Nightblade uh, for PvP, and I would like to, like, I would see it going at them, and I would wait for my uh, Destructive Reach, and I would use it so I could stun them as it's about to hit them, and I would just, like, keep uh, spamming, like, Siphon on them. Good times. So, let's talk about the medium set. The first piece, well, the two piece is going to give you Stamina Recovery. And then max stamina and another stamina recovery on the way to the five piece, which reads, when you cast an ability that costs resources while under 25% stamina, you restore 11,350 stamina. This effect can occur once every 45 seconds. I've never been big on this set. I mean... It looks I mean, right, but... yeah, I mean, in simplicity sake, people who know and love Lich, it's Stamina Lich. There you go. I just don't play enough Stamina for it, then. Yeah. It's a, it's a decent one. I don't think there's anything inherently bad about it. But it's I've, even on my, all my various Stamina builds, I've never 
been like, ah, this is a sustained set that I want. Yeah, I agree. The uh, last set is Ulfgorn's Favor. It's the heavy armor set. And this will give you some max health, some magic recovery, and some stamina recovery. 4% healing taken. And then its fifth piece items increases the magicka or stamina your heavy attacks restored by 30%. That's an interesting one, honestly. Yeah, I just don't think it's... Well, for as far as heavy armor sets go, and for tanking, like, pretty much, like, the way you go about it now is, like, you want sets that, like, buff up your group. Or, like, help keep your group survive, and, like, pe- people kind of, at least the hard, the more, the hardcore side of, like, the e- of ESO things is, like, proud of on like self-sustaining sets like this so yeah i definitely like it though it's uh it's a set that uh i wanted to like for a very long time but i've pretty much universally always trashed it i think that there's definitely whether mm-hmm. you're making like a heavy um uh attack centric build um you might be able to utilize it in some sort of beneficial way like um if you want to make like a more sturdy dps that uses heavy armor for some reason which makes no sense or you could use it on like the weapons and jewelry with like a dps but in terms of like tank and stuff like yes you're going to be weaving heavy attacks to get resources back but you i've never found where i'm like oh man if only i got 30 percent more from a heavy attack so i pretty much almost always will take any other set that exists on my tank over that set that's so, a big claim right there. Yeah, it's uh, it's by far the weakest dun- uh, armor set in that dungeon, in my opinion. So let's talk about the good old monster set. They're Vulcan. And if you thought it sounded cool when we said he spit poison on the ground that grew out in huge pools, well, glad to tell you you could have that power as well. Now... For the one piece, it has max health, but for the two piece, when you take damage from a nearby enemy, you summon a growing pool of desecrated bile for 8 seconds. Enemies in the bile take 195 disease disease damage every 1 second, so it's almost 200 damage every second. That probably scales up though. And they are afflicted with minor maim and the diseased status for 4 seconds, reducing their damage done by 5% and healing received and health recovery by 8%. This effect can occur every 16 seconds, and the damage done scales off your max health. Uh, This monster set I've never really kind of been interested in, but... Yeah, same. I don't really run, like, tanky DPS. So I've seen like, people put it to good effect like throughout this year in like PvP and kind of weird situations. It's like, man, I wish I kind of used it, but I don't know. I can never get it to really work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I know that it has gone through a couple changes and it's gotten a little bit better at some point, but it's never been one that has spoken to me. Um I've tried to make it work because it looks really cool and it's a really cool effect but i feel like there's generally speaking better um options out there especially because i think uh 
depending on your build, I think uh, getting access to minor maim is uh, something that's pretty doable. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. All right, so uh, that kind of wraps up the sets uh, sets for Fanglair. Now we have some achievements. First off, we have the uh, Dragon Bones Explorer, and you can uh, you enter when you enter either of the dungeon for the first time. This will give you the Renegade Dragon Priest mask. So I don't really like it because I don't really like masks. But if you like the Dragon Priest masks, then you might like it. Next up, there's the uh, Fang Lair Challenger, and this requires you to complete the following. Fang Lair Conqueror, which is completing a veteran. Uh, this gives you the Black Marrow's Bane title. Let bygones be bygones, which is the hard mode. And this will give you the Dova Crit title, which I think that means Dragon Slayer, right? That's correct. It's the Draconic or whatever dragon. Yeah, the dragon language. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> and then you have Nada Statistic, which is the no death. And then the Quick and the Dead, which is a speed run in 30 minutes. And then completing all of those would give you the Worm Wizard personality. Best one in the game. Yeah, especially if you're a crazy necromancer. All right, a couple other achievements is the Veteran Necromancer Slayer. Which is defeat 350 Black Marrow Necromancers and Veteran Fang Lair. And then Veteran Skeleton Slayer, which is defeat 500 Skeletons and Veteran Fang Lair. And then these will give you a massive experience gain whenever you complete them. So. So, yeah, says Dog. Yeah. It's true. All right. So that is going to wrap up Fang Lair for us. Uh, and of course, before we go into scale caller, I want to take this little middle portion of the episode to remind you we were part of the one and only oh so wildly popular robots radio podcast network. Where if you go check him out at robotsradio.net, you can find shows like us and all sorts of other amazing ones like the one you're about to hear right now. Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories. These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86 host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. All right, so guys, Scale Caller Peak, my number one favorite dungeon in Elder Scrolls Online, has been since the day it dropped. I remember watching videos of Zahn that had already been on PC and it was the God mode monster set that I had to have. And uh, I just started doing veteran dungeons and I had a friend, we were like, you know, not that great at veteran dungeons. We were like, we're gonna go in there and we're gonna get it. And we spent like six hours in there that day and we freaking got it and it was amazing. 
Oh yeah, that's my uh, first little story. Now, dog, why don't you tell them all about it? All right. Well, the location for it is a uh, northeast Stormhaven by Cumberland Falls. So that's where you can enter it if you're you know, below 45 or just want to go see what it looks like outside. Uh, as far as dangerous enemies, you have a skeever. And after you kill the skeevers, they will explode into a poison AoE and their corpse will attack you. There's an achievement that if no one in your group gets hit by the skeevers. Or there's an achievement for no one in your group being hit by the skeevers poison AoE. Which, do we have that? No, we do not have that. <laughs> I was going to say, that seems really hard. Yeah. Uh, then you have ogres. Both ogre enemies are uh, something that the tank should aggro. And they, that they should be focused on first. Um, in the cases that where you can pull two, aggro, or two ogres at the same time, you don't really want to stack them together. Otherwise, you get like the nasty... Uh, I don't know. Just, like nasty stink AoE that grows around them. Yeah, that that about sums it up. Yeah. Uh, good old Jarvel talks all about it. I don't really listen. <laughs> the stink. Oh, no, the stink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you have the gargoyles, and which is before the second boss. Uh, there's a few ogres that uh, you can aggro with them, but if you're crazy. Um, but if you're in vet, aggroing all the gar- gargoyles is not recommended. And your tank may not, you know, appreciate if you aggro everything at the same time. I mean, one at, one at a time, or, uh, you know, not too bad, but if you're uh, kind of just throw a random AoE and aggro everything, well, you might, <laughs> you might be in for a little bit of a time. <laughs> you might be in for a little bit of time out. Yeah. And sit yourself down and calm down, young dog. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But then you have the Corrupted Lemonade, which is a type of Nereen. And these are also known as the infamous uh, Lemonade Chicks from Skill Collar Peak. Uh, their mechanic is that they will spawn a geyser. And if the tank is not covering the geyser, then the geyser will go off and stun everyone with nasty lemonade. So they're pretty much just running around like lemonade, lemonade, lemonade. Yeah. They just find you yeah. sell you their lemonade. <laughs> the whole time. And they will just kill you if you don't uh heed to their call. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, then you know, I guess you'll go have to, you know, do veteran scale calling. <laughs> so for bosses. First off, we have um, two ogres, and this is what Dog was talking about when Yorvild is mentioning the stink AoE. Uh, when they get closer together, it puts off the stink, and it's just like it's it's huge damages everyone. They just it's really easy to avoid though. The tank just uh, grabs them. And drags him on, grabs the the big one, because one is in the center, and he's just me staying there the entire time. Another one's gonna be the one that moves around. So if you pull one to the outer edge, as far as you can, you know, keep them separated, then you're gonna be just fine. 
Yeah, in terms of tanking, the boss is actually pretty simple. You just have to keep the melee one on the edge of the map, like, the whole time. So I like to still throw a range taunt on the guy in the middle, just because then any other attacks will go still go towards me, um, which are usually not problematic at all. But the really important thing is to hold the aggro and to not get one shot by the melee ogre on the outside because that will cause a lot of chaos. So as long as you're doing your due diligence as tank, holding the melee ogre on the edge, um, it's a pretty easy um, in concept. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. You could hold the other one too because he's not going to move necessarily. And um, you could split your DPS up. So one is on the outside, one is on the inside. Uh, you just want to make sure you burn them at the same time, pretty much. They do have a lot of mechanics. Um, yeah, like a lot. So, Dog, why don't you get into some of their mechanics? All right, we have Orzon. He's the melee ogre. And his light attacks apply that damage over time, so it's important for the healer to keep heals on the tank, especially heals over time to, you know, Outheal the damage over times. Uh, he also has the heavy attack that needs to be blocked, and that's kind of what Graham was talking about. Then you have a uh, Renarius or Renaris uh, in the center, and his mechanic is that he'll pound the ground and summon skeevers. You need to interrupt this so uh, you know Scale Caller uh, Scale Peak doesn't have an even bigger skeever problem. Um, his other mechanic is that he'll have a glacial wind that you don't want to stand in because standing in bad OEs is, well, bad. So those are kind of like the more like simpler mechanics that they do. Then uh, during the fight, you have ice spikes will form. And after a bit, the bottom of your screen will say, Orzin has targeted you with snow tremor. And when this happens, you need to go jump into the ice spikes and let the tremor break you free if you're the tank you want to make sure you grab one on the outer ring hopefully you know close by your melee boss uh that way that the ogres don't stack or don't get too closely together and stack their stench and have the big stench aoe's that causes problems and you can see the thing like chasing you yeah it'd be like a kind of like a missile type thing that's on the ground yeah, so you know, like, oh, crap, I have to get in the ice, like, right now. Yeah. And then you hide behind the ice pillars to survive the attack. And, yeah. And the way that, that these bosses work is that one does, like, the killer attack, and the other one does, like, the uh, defensive attack. So, one does the killing mechanic, the other does the defending mechanics. That's why you need to kill them both at the same time. Yeah. And then one other thing, too, that the center one does is he'll also pound the ground and bring up the skeevers. And he needs to be interrupted. Yeah. Did you already mention that? I think so, because I said that uh, oh, okay. uh, Skill Caller Peak will have, like, you know, an even bigger skeever problem. But. <laughs> True. It just weighs on my mind heavily because I'm always <laughs> I'm always the one I gotta watch them. I'm usually the on the center one. So, 
Yes, once you get past, and that's honestly, it can be the trickiest boss other than Zon. Like this, is, those bosses can get a little annoying, especially when you're pugging this dungeon with, you know, possibly people who've never played it. So, yeah, with the uh, it's it's a lot of really simple mechanics, but if you don't know what they are, it's a lot of things that can cause people to die like very quickly so it's one of those ones that if people don't know what's happening it can very quickly just go disastrous so but once you know what's going on it's a relatively simple fight there's just like three or four things that you have to be like oh this is time for this and then as long as you do it you're fine yeah so second boss we have doilmish ironheart now, this is going to be the huge gargoyle that comes out after you kill the other gargoyles. And the important trick about him is every 10%, one of the orbs behind you is going to be set free and it will start chasing after a random target. It's important to stay away from the laser that it, you know, is going to try and connect you with, or you'll turn into stone. And yeah, I'm serious. Someone will have to run over to you and spam Y, Y B. I guess what is that? That's not synergy, is it? Yeah, it's the synergy button. Okay, cool, cool. It synergize it. So someone will have to run over and spam synergy on you, and oh man, it's just it's not good. They gotta break you out, and by the time they do, the ball is already floating towards someone else and trying to turn them into stone. So. Yeah, you really just... This is another one uh, that you don't want to just plow through in DPS. I mean, you could try it for sure. Uh, you know, his health isn't through the roof. But, the you know, once people start getting turned to stone, it's pretty bad. And if you stack too many orbs on top of each other, it's, it's just not going to be good. So, that would be our recommendation. And if you... Uh, and if you hold the boss at the door, then you can use the rest of the area to kill the stone ball around it until it's destroyed. So that's where we would always have Graham. And then uh, once you realize that orb is targeting you, you just can like slowly back up and then, you know, move like wherever. Yeah, in a perfect world, it will always uh, target one of your DPS or whatever. It should be noted that you can taunt the orbs, but having a stone petrified tank is really bad. So you usually don't want to do that. There has been some occasions where, uh, uh, as our group has played since I'm at the door, if something is going wrong and like there's only like one person up and they're trying to revive, if they have like the orb on them, I will range taunt it so as to travel back to me. But uh, generally speaking, you shouldn't try to taunt them. But in case of a weird clutch scenario, you can taunt them, and then they will come back and target you instead. Yeah, and if uh, someone stays uh, stoned for too long, then the uh, gargoyle boss just stares at them, and they shatter. Which is why it's uh, important that the tank doesn't really pull aggro of it, because I mean, uh, the tank already has aggro of... Uh, you know the boss so it's even faster for him to just stare him down and kill him so yeah it all it all starts happening fast for sure 
What about the matriarch, dog? All right. Well, matriarch, all this. You have a every 10%, the boss will spawn an eliminate check that you'll need to burn ASAP to try to avoid the uh, geyser mechanic. If the geyser mechanic goes off, it's not that huge of a deal. If it's just, you know, one or two, the healer can heal everyone through it. But it's a bit risky if you're doing a no death run. Um, pretty much the way that we do it is we kind of just uh, we kind of just ignore the mechanic if we just try to burn it. Technically, you can stand on top of it and block it, but no one really does that anyways. So the few uh, the boss will also do a few AOE attacks, which isn't too bad as long as the tank holds aggro and faces away from the group. And that's also kind of why that we you normally ignore it because. Otherwise, the tank has to do a lot of running around to get on top of a geyser and then go find another geyser and it just moves all the AoEs around and yeah, it's not really that effective. So, but that's Matriarch Artis. Good old Matriarch. Matriarch can be hard, but once again, it's just a timing thing. Yeah, she's pretty easy in theory. There's not a lot going on there as long as, uh, tank is is pretty good and self-sufficient the dps can work together to eliminate um the lemonades because if you get too many of them it can be problematic so it's just one of those uh pacing and burnings you know don't want to burn too hard too early you just kind of move around work together yeah uh bob you want to take over good old plague and cocktail mordial Mordio, Mordo. Oh yeah, old ten mil, huh? Yeah. So, plague concoctor, more, more shaw, and something. He comes waltzing out, and he's like, "Oh yeah, look at me with my five mil health." He's like, "Boom!" Now I've got ten. No one's truly sure how he does it, but it's amazing. And not only does he have 10 million health, but he's got friends that pop out and everything, and he's got his own slew of mechanics. He's going to rotate mainly between three different curses, and they are always in the following order. going to be the Stamina Drain, which tints your screen green. You'll need to kill imps for this antidote. And he calls them out, always, each one, which he needs. The health drain, which tints your screen red. You'll need to kill stranglers for this antidote. And then the magic drain. And that one turns your screen blue. So, yeah. Those are the three uh, curses that you could get during this fight and the uh the ingredients that your vold will be asking for now the boss tries to kill your vold and of course he has to be bashed which will usually be the tank knocking that out and after your vold collects the ingredients he'll throw out a golden aoe so not only is it the necessary antidote but it will also give you bonus damage and resource gain, which is absolutely a must, especially when you are trying to uh, 
take out this dude with 10 million health. Now, another main thing in the fight is that poisonous grates will start to erupt, and the tank has to go stand over them. They're usually not too crazy all over the place. And lastly for this fight, Morshaw, he's going to summon his friends, guys you've already fought, and you, they, they all burn pretty fast. I mean, they're pretty much nothing. And if you have a chance to stack them together, it's even better. Yeah, especially with the uh, antidote buffs. And you have extra damage, you have extra AoE damage, and they pretty much die before they become a problem, so. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest thing that I am guilty of a few times is getting locked in on, like, rotation of whatever, instead of keeping an eye on the uh, sewers. Because they'll definitely put, like, a little circle and fill up the circle, the AoE, so you can see visually which one's going to fill up, so... You can drag the boss anywhere you want. It's pretty easy. So keeping on top of that. And then um, occasionally he'll bring in his assistant. So you just have to make sure you taunt the assistant coming in. But uh, yeah. So as long as as the tank, you make sure that you uh, put yourself on top of those sewage um, spots and block. And then it's just resource management. Really, it's uh, a big part of it is... Uh, DPS working together and doing burns when they can. It's more of an endurance thing. Yeah. Alright, lastly we have good old Zahn. For the hard mode, there are four defensive mechanics that you want to assign for each person. Uh, The two people that you really want to keep alive the most is your tank and your healer. Uh, One person can run to the shield circle, and then you need to activate a synergy to use it. One player can run into the laser eye to stone themselves. One player can run into the ice spikes. If someone has already walked into it by accident prior to this phase, there will be no ice spikes and one player will be doomed to die. And then one player can also run into the geyser and they'll be lifted up into the air. If someone already accidentally walked into that one, then there will be no geyser present and someone else will be doomed to die. So. The shield and the stone is pretty much active at all times. So you can at least have two people stay alive. Yeah. The unfortunate truth is that they seem like they weren't there far too often. Because there's so much going on, so much movement. People end up tapping the extra, you know, extra spots and they get transferred. Yeah, the... uh... The ice one and the uh, laser in particular travel all, all over the place, so you have to really watch your feet. And I think, as uh, Dog alluded to, um, if like something accidentally gets dropped, that just means that a DPS will die. Uh, yeah. And then um, that's why revives are once again. Just as important, if not more important, than Fangler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The tank will taunt the uh, Frost Atronach and hold it as you know the DPS kill it. Uh, once they kill the Atronach, Ice Spikes will spawn on the ground, and you have to make sure to avoid them. 
because you need them for the poison AoE that comes later. Um, as far as the Frost Atronach, he has a small conal AoE attack in front of him that will knock you back if you do not block or avoid it. So if you're a DPS and you're not blocking, you want to make sure to well, avoid it. So or not be standing by the tank. And then you have a Lemonade Chick that will always stand in the same spot. Uh, she has a small disease AoE around her, and you don't want to stand in it because it does a lot of damage. If you kill yeah, she's the... A, she's a corrupted Lemonade. Yeah, even worse. You gotta be careful around those. <laughs> and then when you kill her, she'll spawn a geyser on the ground pretty much immediately. So you want to make sure that you back away from her when she's almost dead. And you all, that's the other AoE that you need later. So you want to try to avoid that. And then you also have the good old Orb of Stone that's on a wall. And it just shoots the laser AoE on the ground. Uh, uh, it just travels around randomly. If you stand in it before it like before you're supposed to go in it, uh, it'll stone you and someone else has to break you out. Uh, this mechanic will reappear during the fight, even if someone accidentally gets stoned. Um, when you're uh, when you have to avoid like the uh, walls, if you uh, get stoned or if you get hit by any of those mechanics, uh, and you get hit by uh, if you stand in the bad AOE, it'll also protect you from that. So that'll it's kind of like you accidentally got hit, but you survived. So you know whatever. That helps a little bit. Uh, if you go to get any any revives, you can count on the laser or the uh, frost AOE to pretty much chase you down. Um, and yeah, pretty much the laser will always work against you. It'll head you know right for you. Then as far as Zon goes, Zon has an AOE shield bash. That that one shots DPS and healer even if they block. So it's important to not stand by the tank if possible. Uh, be careful when standing near the edge if you're the tank, because it's possible for Zon to send you flying off to your death. <laughs> very very possible, as our good friend Graham knows. I've felt Spellbreaker's might one too many times for sure. Right off the map. Feel Spellbreaker's might. We had a couple of wives because Graham was saying, you know, he uh, spoke, he felt Spellbreaker's might, and we died laughing because we had the perfect view of him feeling Spellbreaker's might off of a cliff. <laughs> Majestically fallen. <laughs> Almost like a cartoon, you know, just up, he's there, down. <laughs> down. Uh, Zan will occasionally smash her sword to the ground and deal damage in a medium-sized tunnel area in front of her. So, again, you kind of don't want to stand behind Zan. Uh, Zan will do a charge-up attack where she'll lock someone down, and there will be a fire beam that connects to the lock to the person that's locked down. Uh, someone will need to stand in the beam and block, and preferably, you know, a spam a shield or something. If the tank gets trapped, and someone needs to save the tank. And I usually do that by spamming a shield and spamming heals to uh, keep the person alive or keep myself alive. And yeah, during that phase, there will be no poison AoEs coming from the dragon statue. So, 
And it's pretty much like anytime she's doing her fire attacks, that's when you could know, like, okay, we have a second where she's not going to be doing poison. But know that the moment it that attack is over, then there's going to be poison. And, like, her other fire attacks specifically is, like, when, this one, when Zon randomly targets player, you will get a circle under you. You know when she's about to target you, and she'll shoot fire at you over and over and over in waves. So it's important to run far away from Zon and run opposite of your group so you don't just plow through them and drag the fire all over them. Now at 80, 60, 40, 20%, you get two or three on the hard mode ice statues spawning, and you have to kill them fast or your group will wipe by the way of freezing. The way we do it is each DPS will go after one and the healer and tank go after the last with the DPS converging on them after. And then after the ice statues, the poison wave covers the full area. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a continuation of it. That's when, right after the kill the giants and everything, and this is about to happen, that's when everyone gets in their respective uh, little safe points. So after the first part of the fight, random poison waves are going to cover, start covering just little chunks of the area. If you get hit by them, you instantly die. So what you really are going to want to do is try and find out where the lines are in between each area. And you're going to want to stand by them. We determine as like the statue or the... Or... Uh, what you're going to want to do is stand kind of like on the cusp of it and you'll be able to move back and forth easily. A lot of people will like standing by the statues because it's a small area where you have to walk out of. Like it's the smallest possible area. But, uh, yeah. And that's going to be the uh, one and only on the scale caller. And the Worst part about hard mode is just, like, managing everything that's going on. Especially, like, making sure that uh, everyone is going to be able to get into a safe mode thing there at the end. Yeah, especially since, uh, you know, you can accidentally use them early, so. So, let's talk about some sets. Alright, well, first off, we have a Jarbled Skyvance. This is the light armor set. This will give you some magic recovery, more magic recovery, and then adds 4% healing done. And then its fifth piece item reads, while in combat, increases the duration of all major buffs, minor buffs, and damage shields you apply to yourself and allies by 40%. I think that sounds fancy, especially for healers, but Dog says no. Yeah, it's a sought after set, I just don't like it. I don't think it's really worth it that much. But that's just me. I could be wrong. I'm probably am wrong, but that's okay. I think I've heard a lot of people that have uh, really liked it as not like a main, but like a secondary part of whether it be trials or whatever, like their their healer or their buff person, because it's all buffs and damage shields, and you know they're increased the duration 
by 40%. So damage shields, you know, might not be as helpful, but, you know, major everything, minor everything, you know, Warhorn, whatever, it's all going to be 40% longer. So I don't know if it's necessarily like a make or break set, but it, it if you have a lot of buffs in your builder rotation um, for the group, it could be beneficial, but it only impacts buffs. Yeah. And it only affects the buffs that you throw out, not like anybody in the group throws out. Right. And it's, damage it's, shields. It's, so yeah, if you're a support character and all of your things that you do are buffs, debuffs, damage shields, those support things, um, then it could be uh, it could be useful, but it's very specialized. Yeah. So we've got the medium set, which is Plague Slinger. Going to start with a weapon and spell damage, then a max health and another weapon and spell damage. So the fifth piece is going to read, when you take damage, you summon a Skeever Corpse, which will launch five poison balls over five seconds. They each deal 737 poison damage to the nearest enemy within 10 meters. This effect can occur once every 8 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon and spell damage. So, definitely an interesting one. You can have 100% uptime on it, but it's not too much downtime. I mean, depending on what you get the damage of to them to you is what would really help of uh make it more viable back before some of the more recent um overland sets and stuff um the uh, gray more year added a couple of them there wasn't a lot of poison sets so if you're trying to do a poison build this set used to be one of your like restricted choices but ultimately i don't think it's very good especially because it doesn't you can't control which enemy it attacks it's just the nearest enemy which I've never really liked. Um, I think it could be like a fun set to play around with, but I don't think it's necessarily the most efficient medium damage dealer set, uh, nor even the best poison set nowadays. Yeah, that definitely sucks. It just launches it at a random person instead of just spraying it all over or something, the poison. Yeah, and it's usually whoever's like the closest to the center. All right, next up we have the Curse of Doilmish set. This is a heavy armor set. This will give you maximum health, uh, more max health, weapon and spell damage on its four piece. And then its fifth piece passive reads, when using a fully charged melee heavy attack on a taunted monster or any enemy who is stunned, feared, or immobilized, you will do 1,800 physical damage. This effect can occur once every four seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon and spell damage. I really wanted this one when it first came out. I was like, this is going to be such a cool set. Yeah. What, how do you feel about it now? Uh, I don't know. I can never get it to work, really. Right? Like, I, it's hard to get that heavy attack off. Like, it sounds like it's not going to be hard, but it is. It, uh, it definitely is one of those, like, the amount of damage it does is crazy. But it just requires too many stipulations, yeah. you know? taunted or stunned or whatever blah blah also a heavy melee attack so only works on basically stamina weapons 
Um, yeah. And yeah. being like a heavy armor set and like the other things that it does, it just seems like, okay, it seems very tanky, but what it does is damage. So if you're going to use it on a non-tank, you have to pretty much use it as weapons and jewelry. Um, and if you use it on a tank, then it's not you're not really doing as much to help out the group. It was a set that I really wanted to like a lot early on. And uh, I know that they made some changes to like even remove some of the uh, like ranged weapons that don't make any sense for it or something. Um, but uh, it's it's never I've never been able to fall in love with it, even despite trying. Yeah, same. Definitely the same for me. It's like wanted to, but just never worked out. Yeah, as far as like PVE goes, like this set doesn't really make much sense because chances are using like some kind of like damage healing set, even on like a tank, makes more sense than to using like this set. And then for PvP, it interesting, but there are other also better uh, heavy armor sets for you to go for for doing like being tanky and doing damage. All right, so that is going to bring us to the monster set the still my favorite monster set in the whole game i still use it to this day uh you know i've bounced around a bunch of different stuff but it's still super op especially in pvp and pve so the zon monster set the first piece you're gonna get crit chance and on the second piece you are going to well i'll just read it for word by word when you damage a nearby enemy with a light or heavy attack you have a 33 percent chance to create a beam of fire that will connect you to your enemy as long as you remain within eight meters of them the beam deals 305 flame damage every one second to your enemy for six seconds every second this damage increases by 100 per Every second, this damage increases by 100%. This effect can occur every 18 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon and spell damage. Well, that's cool. That's a nice change that they made for your stamina. But yeah, that's a very, uh, just very, very powerful set. Creates a tether between you and another person. The only, only thing about it is you gotta be pretty close to your enemy to get this proc and then you have to stay with them because they can break it but uh, if you time everything right man this could really just destroy people yeah and it's a really cool looking set and it's a very cool um proc like looking it's very it's very rewarding when you get it to work and uh it's pretty awesome yeah, I used that on uh, the, my mag blade, and one of the cases that I've had is I was in a side of a battleground, and I thought my son went off on a stamina person, but it wasn't. It was their son, and it was very. It's kind of weird seeing uh, a stamina person using Zon, like mainly because it hasn't been like that for, you know, years, quite literally years, and now it's like this stamina guy is using Zon on me instead of, like, Veladra. Yeah, that is quite the change, for <laughs> sure. But she says, I also had Zon, so it's like, aha, I have Zon. It's like, oh, that wasn't my Zon. I died to that guy's Zon. 
definitely a good monster set. Yep. 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 Still one of the faves. No doubt. So, Doc, why don't you tell us about these achievements and we will wrap it on up. First off, you have uh, the Scale Caller Savior, and that's collect both of the necessary ingredients to cure Jarvel from the Colt's Plague. The first one is after the Giantess boss to the left of the door, and the second one is in the Plague Doctor boss's room at the alchemy, ta- alchemy table to the left, uh, uh, left of like the exit door, left of the thing. Um, yeah, and then you can go talk to Jarvel at the end of Zahn, and you can free him. You might have to go like outside and go back inside if you had the quest. But yeah, then you can talk to him again and you can save him. Alright, then you have a skill caller peak challenger. And you need to collect the following. A skill caller peak conquer, which is beating on veteran. Uh, this gives you the peak scaler title. You have breaker of spells, which is a hard mode. This gives you the plague of periate title. Then you have On Top, which is the No Death, Peak Performance, which is the speedrun in 30 minutes. And then completing all of these gives you the Black Marrow Necromancer skin, which is my favorite skin in the game. Alright, and then a, f- a few other achievements are a Veteran Cultist Slayer, which is kill 120 cultists on Veteran. And a Veteran Ogre Slayer, which is kill 50 ogres on Veteran. And both of those will also give you a massive experience skin, especially if you're doing it with it like 150% scroll active or 50% scroll and devil experience. So, and then lastly, you have uh, the Dragon Bones Delver, which is completing both of the dungeons on Veteran, and that'll give you the Necreus Purple Die. So, we talked about my favorite part of that dungeon, which is definitely feeling Spellbreaker's might and getting launched off. <laughs> I love the scene that's set for the. Uh, the Zahn fight you walk through and it's like the edge of this cliff and this giant altar with uh, parite dragons and um, you just feel as like you're about to show down with someone real strong and it's very cool. What was your guys' favorite part of Scale Collar? Well, uh, my favorite part is definitely the hard mode because I just love all the chaos that ensues and then I also like the skin, so... But I think that's a pretty interesting hard mode. It's very chaotic, and I kind of like the chaos. How about you, Bob? Man, there is so many awesome parts of Scale Caller. I mean, it's an ascension up a beautiful mountain that you arrive to a climactic peak and fight, you know, a huge uh, awesome fight. Pretty much as awesome of a fight as Fanglair, minus the dragon. And there's some crazy dragon statues in the back. And then you get one of the best monster sets in the game. I mean, it's well balanced. Um, Each boss really keeps you on your toes. Like, they're so different from each other. And uh, that last fight itself, like, it can almost be like you need that luck to really get by it with success. I like everything about it. Nice. I think uh, I think generally it's agreed that uh, it's probably one of the best dungeon DLCs still to this day. Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that. Yeah, I would too. I would put it as my number one for sure. I mean, it just 
back then dungeons were just so pure and unfiltered you know it's just like dungeons were dungeons there wasn't no story of the year and side bosses and we need all this extra stuff it was just we had dungeons and they were dungeons and they were hard when they first came out at least they're hard you know everyone comes around yeah that was a good closing sentiment bob (laughs) there you go so thank you guys for joining me that was a lot of fun to talk about my favorite dungeons Thank you all for coming to listen to us and have a good old time. Uh, we hope you we, you got some information out of it. If you've never done these hard modes, um, you know, maybe you gleamed that, you know, one piece of information that will really help your crew get through it uh, and not have to struggle so much through it like we did. And like I said, thank you all for listening. So dogged walk us out man where can the people find us when we're not sitting in front of these microphones alright well you can find us on twitter of the at red diamond cast you can also find us on facebook of the red diamond courier you can find us in our ESO or xbox field of airs the red diamond which you can join on the robots radio discord found on robotsradio.net and if you check our show notes you can find links to our merch store and all our awesome sponsors places like eso-hub.com that throw us into their awesome uh news section and if you haven't been there you're just missing out because that freaking every piece of information and skill sets everything you need for eso plus did you know that you can now leave reviews on spotify yes i'm serious and we need a lot of them. We need, come on, guys, all of them. Five stars. I want to see it all the way through the roof. Um, I don't know if you can leave words. It didn't seem like it. I just got to leave stars. So star us up. Pump it up. Pump it up. Pump it up. And if you go do it, and then you go on Twitter, and you're like, hey, man, I did it. And you show me a screenshot of your five stars. I don't know what I'm going to give you, but we'll figure it out. And maybe it'll be freaking really cool if you're the only one who does it. Um, So, yeah. Someone go do that. And then leave us an Apple review, too. And say some words with the five stars. And I'll shout it out at the very start of the show. Because I freaking love all of you guys who listen to the show so much. So, Graham, what about you, man? Where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitch TV and... uh on Twitter and Xbox and uh, Steam and pretty much anywhere else um, as Grammaton Dryad. Sometimes it has underscore, sometimes there isn't, but there's not a lot of Grammaton Dryads out there. So if you put something to the semblance, you'll be able to find me somewhere. And dog, what about you, my dude? All right, you can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all at dogbark24. And for me, it's going to be Bob underscore Chichinsky, Twitter, Twitch, ESOPC, and Bob Chichinsky with the space on Xbox. Come hang out and play some ESO. Thank you guys again for being here, Graham and Dog. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. And we will catch you guys on the flip side of things. Yep, see ya. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey. Hi. Do you enjoy being optimistic about bad movies? Or do you enjoy at least trying to figure out where someone worked really hard on a bad movie? Well, we've got the podcast for you. New to Robots Radio, we represent Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Each week, we look at two movies that did really badly critically, but we try to find the good in them. And we have segments such as What Could Have Saved It? and Would You Watch It Again? If you're there on a Saturday night, you want to watch a bad movie, but you're not sure if it's like good bad or bad bad, or if you should even bother, give us a listen. You can find us on Robots Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please come and say hi. We love you already. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.